together.
never stop, never stop working, never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that you brought us here this morning to spend this time together in worship. God, we pray that we would worship in spirit and in truth. We would worship you and you alone. God, those things that distract us that entangle and ensnare us. God, you would remove them. God, you and you alone would be our God. We pray this morning that we would be your people. God, we pray that you would be with those in our community who are sick. So many who are hurting. God, they need this morning your grace. They need your compassion. They need your healing. And so, God, we pray for exactly that. God, we pray that this morning we would would be people who are faithful to you and to your word. That we would let nothing distract us. Nothing hinder us. God, nothing would stand in our way of pursuing you, pursuing your truth, and proclaiming it boldly. So God, we would just pray that you would help us to be faithful. That we would be light into a community full of darkness. That we would share your hope with those who are hopeless. And that, God, we would be obedient to your call. God, we pray for our nation that you would bring peace. That, God, we would would find people and we would be people who would fall on our knees before you. That we would plead for your forgiveness 
because we desperately need it. And that, God, you would fill us with your grace. God, those who don't know you and far from you, we pray, God, that they would they would call upon your name. God, they would turn from their sin and believe your truth. And God, I pray that we would be the instruments that you would use to take that truth to a world that desperately needs to hear it. God, I pray that on that day when you come again, you would find us faithful. So therefore, God, we ask that you would show us our sin. That God, we would, we would repent of that sin. We would turn from it and turn to you and trust in you and you alone. God, thank you for saving us and giving us the grace that's only found in Christ. And we pray this morning in his holy and precious name. Amen. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Raise the 
thank you. Not one thing did we deserve other than death and damnation. Nothing that we have ever done, Father God, was worthy enough of the sacrifice. Our sin had stained us, and yet you loved us so much that you sent your son. Father God, it is a debt that we cannot even hope to try to repay. So, Father God, this morning we pray that you would help us to realize that it was not something that you did because you wanted something back other than just our commitment to you. Help us to be people that listen to your word. Help us to be people who love others the way that you've loved us. Completely sacrificially, Father God, in a way that changes everything around us. This morning, Father God, we pray that you would help us to be in tune with your word, that you would help us to be impacted by your message, that you would make changes in us that affect your kingdom. Father God, that we would listen to what you have for us this morning, and that we would not be stone, that we would be clay that is moldable. Father God, we recognize that you are in control, and we thank you that even though everything around us seems to be chaotic, that there is peace in you, that there is sturdiness in you, and we thank you for that. Father God, just continue to be with us this morning. Help us to continue to worship you, not only in song, but Father God, also through the studying of your word. Be with Pastor as he speaks and help him to say the things, Father God, and, and to be a vocal piece for you this morning. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Well, good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. If you're turning there, I uh, encourage you to, to look under our, um, our missions and giving section of the bulletin and I encourage you to uh, be in prayer uh, for the work uh, that is being done around the world by uh, North Carolina Baptists and by Southern Baptists. You'll see missionaries there that you can pray for uh, and also some of our mission partnerships uh, that we support. And so I encourage you uh, to, as you go through the week, um, maybe keep that with you and, and take a moment uh, to pray. And if you don't want to carry the bulletin around, you take out your phone and snap a picture of, of maybe those missionaries and have them there that you could pray for them as you go through the week. I also remind you that uh, this morning, you see there in the bulletin, is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday uh, in our Southern Baptist Convention. It is that Sunday uh, each year uh, where we uh, draw attention to and consider 
the, the pro-life movement and the, uh, the horrors of abortion that continue on uh, throughout the world um, today. And so uh, while we'll look at the numbers uh, of, of people who die, say, over the last year from the coronavirus, uh, those numbers are a drop in the bucket uh, to the numbers of, of lives that are lost each year. Uh, through abortion. And so um, Scott read for us earlier from Psalm 139, uh, the passage, uh, one of those passages that uh, has such a profound impact on our understanding as a church of um, life and God treasuring life. And so encourage you as you pray this week uh, to continue to think about uh, that as well and think about uh, just the, the pro-life movement, and uh, while there are always advances, uh, there's still any time uh, there are any proposals that would uh, limit uh, abortion. Uh, of course, there's a massive uh, pushback against that, um, and so uh, from the pro-abortion movement, and so we would um, hope that in the years ahead uh, that maybe our country uh, and, and other countries too uh, would repent of their allowance of uh, such a, a terrible, a terrible uh, thing. So I encourage you to pray toward that end as well as we go through the week. So we come to the end of Acts chapter 8. We are thinking about and considering the fact that the gospel is spreading in the book of Acts. In chapter 1, Jesus told his disciples that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, that they would share his good news. We're told in the book of Matthew and Matthew 28 that Jesus says to go and make disciples of all nations. And so we see that continued here. We saw the beginning stages of that last week as we considered Simon the magician and the, the gospel going to the people of Samaria. And then it continues this week as we think about the gospel going to this man who we'll meet in just a moment from Ethiopia. And so I invite you this morning, if you're able, to stand with me in reverence to God's Word as we begin reading Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. The Bible says this, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. 
Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. And he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Aztos, and he passed through, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. You may be seated. An angel comes to Philip, who we were introduced to previously. Philip, one of the leaders and deacons in the church. Philip is told to rise and to go toward the south to a particular road, a road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place, we are told. And so he went. And when he went, he encountered this man, an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, Queen of the Ethiopians. Now in Ethiopia, they had a king. But as one commentator said, the, the king was, he would reign. And the king was given the, the thought of, of being a deity. The king was lifted up as if he was a god. And so it was actually the queen, in particular often the queen mother, who would do the ruling. So the king would reign and he would receive all the pomp and circumstance, but the queen would do the ruling. And so in particular, the queen would rule over the kingdom and the treasure and things like that. The queen was known as Candace. But this is not just her name, this was her title, as if we would call the king of Egypt Pharaoh, they would call the queen of Ethiopia Candace. And this particular eunuch, he was a court official and he was in charge of her treasure and he had went to Jerusalem to worship and he is on his way back. And on his way back, he is reading his Bible. In particular, he is reading from Isaiah, likely an Isaiah scroll. And he is reading, and we, re- and we find out as we are reading, that he was reading from Isaiah chapter 53. And so when Philip arrives and the Spirit says, go and join in with this chariot, he hears the reading of the Isaiah scroll. And he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, well, how can I unless someone tells me? And so as he is reading Isaiah 53 verses 7 and verse 8, He asks a question, is he talking about himself, the prophet, or is he talking about someone else? And this opens up the door for Philip to share with him the good news about Jesus. We don't know how long they share a chariot and how long he shares, but he shares long enough that they go from a desert place to a place with water, and the eunuch asks him, why shouldn't I be baptized? The implication being that he he has heard the good news, he has believed the good news, 
And now he wants to be baptized because of the good news. And so Philip and the eunuch get out of the chariot. He is baptized and the Spirit takes Philip away. He's no longer there. The eunuch goes on rejoicing in what God has done. And Philip goes on and he continues to preach. Just as had been promised in Acts chapter 1, the good news is beginning to go to the nations. People who desperately need to hear the good news of Christ are hearing that good news. You'll be my witnesses, Jesus said, to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that very thing is taking place. We see in this sermon in this passage, in this text, the gospel to the nations. And I think when we hear that, when we hear that the gospel needs to go to the end of the earth, the the good news needs to go to the ends of the earth, it, it would be easy for us to think that is too overwhelming. We cannot do it. But I want to challenge you this morning. As we go through this passage together, as we think through it together, We can obey what God has said, and we must obey what God has said, because people desperately need to hear about Jesus. So let's think about these things together. What what, what are the the, the commands we see? What are are the implications of what we see here together? First, beginning in the first verse that we've looked at, we need to understand that it is important that we go where we are called Go where you are called. An angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says to him, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Those are the instructions. Luke gives us, as he is writing Acts, a little bit of information. He says this is a desert place. And verse 27 tells us that he, talking about Philip, rose and went. He is not given a lot of information before he picks up and leaves. Go to a certain road. Go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. You know, that's a long journey. It's a long walk. Go out on Highway 70. The one that goes from Hickory to Morganton. It's a pretty good trek, right? If you're walking it, on your feet. If I were to tell you to meet a certain person on the road between Morganton and Hickory on Highway 70, a lot of houses between one place and the other. A lot of businesses, a lot of crossroads, a lot of places to stop. Some places you wouldn't want to stop. He is told simply to go down to this particular road And he rose and went. Why? Because that's where he was called to go. God doesn't give him more information here. God doesn't tell him all the steps of the plan. Now, could Philip have assumed what he was going to do? Probably. Why? Because back in the beginning, back in Acts chapter 1, they were going to be witnesses for Jesus what has Philip done so far he has been a witness for Jesus what could he have figured he was going to do when he got to the place he was sent 
probably be a witness for Jesus. But he doesn't ask, well, well what do I do when I get there? How am I going to get there? What, what, what route would you like me to take? He is told to go. Go to the road. Go toward the south. To the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go to this place. Are we willing to go where we are called? Are we willing to, to be so obedient to God that we go where we are called? Now, I found that it's really easy to get people to go to easy places. Every time I go to any Baptist men's event, they'll go through all their ministries. They've, they've got this magazine. We've got some laying up here. Uh, and they go through all these places that, that you can go. And so they've got a ministry in Honduras, and they've got some ministries in other parts of the world, and they've got some ministry up in the, uh, the Appalachian coal fields uh, where there's a lot of poverty. And, you know, you hear about those. Okay, okay. But then... Then they start getting to some other places. So they've got a ministry in the Rocky Mountains. They're like, oh, that sounds kind of nice, you know, Rocky Mountains. And they've got some ministries out in the you know, other parts of the West, out in Montana and places like that. And they're like, oh, wow, that sounds kind of neat. Never been there before. But then they get to the one, and this is the one, and it never fails. Every meeting I've ever been in, the one where you can kind of hear some, some noise in the back. It's like, now we've got our partnership with Hawaii. And all of a sudden you kind of hear, you know, some noise. Well, why? Well, because it's Hawaii, right? You're like, wait a second. So you're telling me that I can go up to the church and be like, listen, I want you all to help me raise money to go on a mission trip to Hawaii. Now, I don't know how many of you have been to Hawaii. Clayton's been to Hawaii. It's pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I hear. I hear there's like islands and nice weather and, you know, that sort of thing. It is multiple islands. It is an island in the middle of the ocean, with like perfect temperatures year-round. What I hear, you know, I don't know. It's not hard to get people to go to Hawaii, right? He's told to go out to a random road, and the comment that Luke can make about the place he is, is it's a desert place. If you put that on your brochure... He's not going to really be pretty attractive to people. Hey, come do ministry in the desert beside a road. And yet, he rose and went. Why? Because he was willing to go where he was called. Remember where he went before. Philip proclaims Christ, verse 4 of chapter 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Remember, everyone gets scattered because there's persecution. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. Now Samaria is a place full of people that the Jewish people did not like. They liked to avoid them. They wanted to go out of their way not to go through Samaria. And Philip is the guy who says, okay, we're getting scattered about. I'm not going to Hawaii. I'm not going down to the beach. I'm going to go to Samaria and preach the gospel. 
And so his prior work, his prior preaching had prepared him for this time when God said, go down to this road in the desert. I got something for you to do. Friends, if we want to be obedient to God, we need to go where we are called. And it's not always going to be the most beautiful place. And it's not going to always have the most interesting people. God is calling us to places where there is a need. You think about it, the vision statement of our church. What does it say? We're going to go to the hard places. Why? Because that's where the need is. Friends, you can pack up people all day to go to exotic places. What about the difficult places? It's easy. It's easy when you're planning to, you know, we're going to go to New York City. It's a lot difficult. We're going to go to the backwood hollers of West Virginia. Is, is there need in both places? Sure. But, but friends, it's, it's difficult to go. It is difficult to go where it's not that exciting. And it's difficult to get people excited about places that just aren't that exciting. The question is for us, will we be obedient and go wherever we are sent to go? No matter, no matter where it is, because it is the place where the need is great and it is the place where we were sent. Go where you are called. But look at the second part of that. Pick up back in verse 27. He rose and went. When he gets there, what does he find? There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. That is who is there. He's returning from Jerusalem, we're told in verse 28, seated in his chariot, and he is reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So what does he do? Philip ran to him. He ran to him. What do we know second? Go to whom you are called. Go where God calls you and go to whom God calls you. This man is probably not Philip's ideal candidate. Maybe he is. But for a lot of people around Philip, this would not have been their ideal candidate. Here's a man who is important. Philip is a nobody. Here's a man that is not from where Philip is from. This man is from Ethiopia. There are a couple of possibilities. He could have been a, a Jewish person who had went to Ethiopia and found himself in service of the queen. But much more likely, he was someone from Ethiopia. And so he looks different than Philip looks. Philip has brown skin. This man most likely has black skin. They're from a different culture. They have a different background. They have a different way of life. And yet this man is interested in the things of God. We are told that he was at the temple worshiping and he is coming back to Ethiopia. He is reading the Bible. He is reading the prophet Isaiah. And when the Spirit tells Philip, go over and join this chariot, Philip ran to him. He ran to him. 
Philip didn't negotiate with God. God, you know, that chariot looks more like they might be receptive to the gospel. That guy over there, he, he looks more like the, the type that we're trying to, to reach. You know, that, that guy over there, he, 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 I see leadership potential in him. No, God said, go down to this road out in the desert. And Philip went. And when he got there, God said, you see that chariot over there? Go join them. And he runs. He runs. And I think it's even important that he ran. Remember, he's going to hear the guy reading the Bible. Does the guy read the same two verses if he walks? Is he not further along? And yet it were these two verses in Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8, that God uses as the springboard for Philip to share the gospel. And so by him running, he gets there at the right time to meet the guy, to meet the chariot, to hear the verses being read, and to share with him the gospel. Not only are we to go where we are called, but we are to go to whom we are called. You know, this is the reality. They've talked about it as, as communities have changed over the last 30 and 40 years. There are a lot, of, a lot of white churches in white neighborhoods where now the neighborhood is predominantly black and the churches are still white. And the, the churches struggle to reach their community or simply don't reach their community because their community is not like them. Well, here's the news this morning. That's not happened here. But our community right around here is not often reflected in our church. Well, why is that? Well, because a lot of times around here, the people that live in the neighborhoods right around our church, they might be people who are hooked on drugs. They might be people who are not as educated as we are. And so we're facing the same type thing that other churches have faced with race. We've faced with something else. But God has called us on this corner today at this time to reach the people around here. And that means that we're going to end up reaching people Many of them are not exactly like us. And that's okay. Because this is where God has called us. We are called to go to whom you are called. We have been called here as First Baptist Eichert in Eichert. Some of you don't live in Eichert. I don't live in Eichert anymore. But we have been called to Eichert. And we want to reach people where you live and where you work, but we're also called to reach people here. This man, Philip, goes where he is sent, and when he is called to reach a particular person, he commits himself to reaching that particular person. And he goes to them, and isn't God gracious? Because God has went out ahead of him, preparing the heart, of the man he's going to speak to. When he arrives at this chariot, he hears him reading Isaiah the prophet. He hears him. 
We need to understand when we go where we are called, God is preparing the heart of the people to whom he has called us. It is not random that we encounter people and have the opportunity to share with them the truth. God is preparing their hearts. God is preparing them for that time when we interact with them and share with them the good news. And so what must we do? We go to whom we're called, and then what? The third thing, we need to be prepared to answer. Philip runs up to him, he hears him reading the Isaiah scroll, reading from Isaiah the prophet, and he asks him, do you understand what you are reading? You know, lots of people, they just read the Bible. Um, sometimes they read, you know, the whole Bible every year and, and things like that, and that takes, you know, time. But you can read all the words and not understand their meaning, Right? So this guy's reading Isaiah 53, and Philip hears him and says, do you, do you understand? And the guy said, how can I unless someone guides me? Man, what an opening that was for Philip. How, how, somebody's got to guide me to understand. I'm reading it. I'm interested in it. How can I understand unless someone guides me? And he, talking about the eunuch, invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And Philip, Philip sent a softball here. I mean, this is, this is like easy, basic evangelism 101 he gets. Philip gets in there, he sits down with him, and now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. Part of the, the larger Isaiah 52 and 53 as we, we think about the suffering servant. This, this beautiful picture that Isaiah paints of the Messiah who will come and save the people of God. And that's where he's reading. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you? Does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? In other words, when, when the prophet is talking here in Isaiah 53, is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And verse 35 tells us, Then Philip opened his mouth and began, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. He went from that passage in Isaiah 53... And he walked, this man, this eunuch, he walked with him through the Bible storyline to tell him the good news about Jesus. Why could he do this? Because he was prepared to answer the question. He was prepared to answer the question. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to share your faith with people who do not know Jesus? Philip can make this happen. Philip can tell this man about Jesus and eventually baptize him because he was prepared. 
was prepared to give an answer. And he was prepared to transition from his answer to telling this man about Jesus. You say, how do I get prepared? Well, you get prepared by, by knowing what God has done. Not just what he's done for you. That's your testimony. That's an important thing to be able to share what God has done in your life. But friends, your life is an infinitely small sliver of what God has done. Now, for you, it's, it's, it's an infinitely large piece of what God has done. But friends, God has done infinitely more than simply saving me. And Philip is able to take and, and lead this man through talking about Isaiah 53 and talking about the suffering servant of God and teach him and tell him and instruct him about what God has done. He told him the good news about Jesus. We've prepared in different ways at different times. There was a, a time in the kind of in the church, in our church as well, the church I grew up in, where we, we help prepare people by kind of giving them a system so that they would be able to, to lay out their faith. But friends, it has to go more than that. Because this man takes a, a random passage of Scripture and leads this man toward Christ. We might come and, and the person we are familiar with is... They're sitting at a funeral and they've got the little pamphlet in their hand and it says, it says the 23rd Psalm and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And they ask you, how can this be true in this, this time of grief? How is it true that the Lord is my shepherd? How could this guy say this and here we are at a funeral? Friends, the Bible is full of a storyline that tells us of a guy named David. And he was a sinner just like we are. And yet, even being a sinner and, and seemingly far from God, he could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even when his enemies are pressing against him and they, they want to take his life and they want to kill him, he could say, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Friends, if we know the Bible, and I'm not talking about we've got everything memorized, I'm talking about understanding the storyline of the Bible. We can find and know where a person is, and we can take them where they can know who Christ is. We must be prepared to answer. Prepared to answer for the hope that is within us. Prepared to, to share with someone the good news of what Christ has done. Philip is prepared and ready. And when he asked this man, do you understand what you are reading? He was then able to take him and share with him the good news about Jesus. Are you prepared to answer? And if not, are you willing to do what it would take to be prepared to answer? Because what if it, what if it is that God... God has you, God has chosen you to be the person that someone speaks to to come to faith. Are you prepared to answer to them and for them what it means to follow Jesus? How do we be prepared? How are we prepared? Fourth thing we see then. Verse 35, he begins to open his mouth. 
Beginning with this particular passage, he told him the good news of Jesus. What does he do? He teaches him. We must be prepared to teach and to baptize. To teach and to baptize. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28? He says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded and baptizing them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching and baptizing. These are the calling of the church. Friends, when I say the church, I do not mean the building or the programs, but the people. The people of the church must be ready to teach and to baptize. This is what Philip does. He opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, talking about Isaiah 53, he told him the good news about Jesus. Then what else? Verse 36, and they were going along the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, here, see here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? In other words, he was to the point where he had placed his faith in Jesus. They had rode along on the road long enough that Philip had taught him enough that he understood the need he had to follow Christ. And so he taught, he taught, and they get out of the chariot in verse 38. After it's commanded to stop, they went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Philip baptizes the eunuch, the man who, who was religious, the man who had went to Jerusalem to worship, but now the man who knew Jesus. And when they came out of the water, we're told the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away because he had worked somewhere else. The eunuch saw him no more, so the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. We don't know what effect the eunuch had, but Christianity sprung up in Ethiopia through the preaching of the gospel. Many, many people there knew Christ, and we have to imagine that this man had some part in that. He taught and he baptized. He taught and he baptized. This was the pattern, and this must be the pattern of the church. There are people out there who need to know about Jesus, but they will have to be taught. And not in some passive way where we are the facilitator, where they kind of discover their own truth, which is a, a major educational idea today. Just, just let the students kind of find their own truth and figure it out for themselves. The reality is that people need to be taught the things of God. In fact, Jesus said, teach them all that I have commanded you. And when we do this, they will know Christ and they will need to be baptized. Because baptism is that sign of the, the profession of faith that has been made. And this man, this eunuch, when he is ready, when he has heard the good news, when he has learned about Jesus, he is ready to be baptized. He is ready to state to all of those who are watching, I have decided to follow Jesus. And he does just that. Philip put in the time that it took to make sure that this man knew who Jesus was. Once he had done so, he was gone. Gone to the next place, we're told in verse 40. In fact, he passed through. As he passed through these towns, he preached the gospel. He no doubt did the same thing. This was his commitment. This was his work. So this is the challenge for you this morning. Are you ready, willing, 
and available to share the gospel. Are you ready, willing, and available to share the gospel? Are you ready? What does that mean? Have you prepared yourself? Do you know what the Bible says? I'm, again, I'm not talking about you know every word. You've memorized every word. You have studied some type of, of systematic theology where you understand all of the, the finer theological points of Scripture. It's not what I'm talking about. Have you prepared? Have you prayed? Have you prepared your heart? Have you read your Bible? Have you paid attention as the Word of God was preached and taught? Are you ready? Not to have every answer ever, but ready to engage with someone and sharing with them the good news of what Jesus has done. Are you willing? There are plenty of people who have studied this book. They read it cover to cover every year. They've got some plan that they go through and they read a certain number of chapters every day and they've read the Bible many, many times, but they would never share that with anybody. This idea has crept up in our culture that, that your religion is a private matter between you and God. Your faith is a matter between you and God and people who don't have it have no hope. If you keep it private your entire life, they'll never hear and therefore never have any hope. So have you not only prepared yourself by studying God's Word and by praying and preparing, but are you willing to go? Willing to set aside any fear you may have, any reluctance you may have, ready to go, and then available Willing and available seem like they would be almost the same thing, right? And they're very much connected, but they're very much different. Because have you done what it would take in your life to make sure that you can go where God calls you and go to whom God calls you? Because if you say, you know what, I'm prepared and I'm willing, but you know, I'm really busy. You know, I would, I would share my faith. I would serve my neighbor. But, you know, I got, I mean, if you look at my calendar, it's so full, Pastor. There's, there's so much on here. We go, the kids got this, and then I'm involved in that, and we got... Then your willing is pretty superficial. Your willing is just in word only, not in deed. Because you should be prepared... And willing, but also make yourself available. You know, if you know that God has been calling you to, to go on a mission trip, you just know it. Man, work, you know, work only gives me two weeks off a year, and, and uh, I mean, vacation, I got to do, you know, two weeks of vacation. Then you've not made yourself available. You say, yeah, I, I just, I, I got to spend the money on something else. Again, my, my calendar is really full. I mean, as Americans, we love a full calendar. See, I'm weird. I pull up my calendar for the week and look at it and see nothing on it and go, yes. But some people, they can't handle that. They need something for Monday night. 
and they need something for Tuesday night, and they got to have something for Wednesday night. It's probably not going to be church, and they got to have something for Thursday night. Got to have something for you know maybe Friday night will be date night, you know, and Saturday night we got to have something. We got to do something. We got to be going. That's fine. I made a commitment. It's I, I don't do New Year's resolutions. Maybe this is kind of like one. I decided, you know what? I'm not reading enough. Some of y'all say, well, that sounds boring. I would never do that. But that's fine. I'm going I'm to make myself read a book every week. And it was a little past midnight last night, but I got my book for last week read. It was like 1.30. But I'm still counting that as last week. Got my book finished. See, I've been ready because I learned how to read, you know, in elementary school. And I've also got like 2,000-some books in my office. I've been willing. I like reading. But I've not made myself available, you know, because I've got to look at Facebook or Twitter or whatever. It's about making a decision. Am I going to read a book which is profitable? It's profitable to my ministry. It's profitable to my life. It's profitable to my mind. Or am I going to, you know, see what y'all posted on Facebook about your cat or stuff you ate or whatever. It's the same thing with this. God has called us to go and to reach the nations. To reach Eichard and Burke County and North Carolina and the United States and the world. He has called us. Not some other church. Not some big church. Not some big budget church. Not some flashy church. Us. The people God calls First Baptist Eichard, he has called us to reach the nations. To go where he sends us, to go to whom he sends us, to be prepared to answer their questions and to teach them and baptize them. He has called us to do that. And so will we be ready, willing, and available to do so? Or will we find in one of these three a place to make an excuse? Are you, today, as we're starting a new year, as we're rolling into, you know, maybe, hopefully, some downward trend on this virus as these vaccines go out or something, is my, my hope and prayer, will we understand that the need has not changed that as we stood here a year ago thinking about 2020 and all of its possibilities, nothing has changed. Are we ready, willing, and available to share the gospel? And if not, if one, two, or all three of those things are not true about you, let's fix that. If you're willing and available, trust me, I will help you get ready. This church will help you get ready. If you're ready and not, and not willing, friends, you need to pray to God to break your heart on that. If you're ready and willing, but you're not available, clear your schedule. Ask yourself, is my kid doing this more important than someone going to heaven? That's the question. It's not some churchy thing. It's, is that more important? Is my time spent goofing off and messing around and wasting time more important than the work I could be doing to ministering to people who are lost and dying.
to bettering myself so that I'm ready to go and answer questions, to deal with hard subjects, to work in the hard places with people who've had difficult lives and have no hope. Am I ready to do that? Am I ready, willing, and available to share the gospel? Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you that you love us and care for us. God, that you've given us hope. God, lead and guide us. God, send us wherever you would have us to go, to whomever you would have us to go to. Prepare our hearts so that we're ready, that we're prepared. God, break our hearts so that we will be willing. Let it be thy will and not our will. And God, if we're not willing to give up our time, God, then I pray that you'd crush our time. That you would make the other things that we do, God, a burden on our heart. God, destroy those idols of time. Help us to remember that life is a vapor and it is not worth wasting. Help us. Help us, God, to help us to obey you, to go where you've sent. And God, help us to share the gospel with those who need it. God, thank you for sending Christ. Thank you for someone in our lives' willingness to be ready, to be willing and available. God, let that be our heart. So we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand and respond to God's word this morning. You had the question before you. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you available? If not, friends, it's time. It's time to get that right. It's time to ask God to move in your life. Would you respond to his word as we sing together?
Thank you for coming to worship this morning and pray that as you go, uh, we would go where God sends us and to whom God sends us uh, because they need it. You know, this man, if you think about this Ethiopian eunuch, he was, he was in Jerusalem. He was worshiping. He was at the temple. And yet he left with no hope. And on a road in the desert, a guy who walked up and asked him if he knew what he was reading gave him the most precious gift of all in sharing with him the good news. It wasn't in the temple. It was when God's word was explained to him, applied to his heart, that God saved him. And so as we go, knowing that we go from this place where we worship but we go to a people who need to hear the good news. And so share with them as you go the hope that is within you because Christ has saved you. Let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace and pray that as we go, you would lead and guide our hearts. Help us to go where you send us. Help us to go to whom you send us. Help us to go prepared to answer the question. Help us to go teaching and baptizing. God, you make us ready, make us willing, make us available so that we can share your good news with a world that desperately needs it. We thank you for giving us grace. God, we thank you for saving us. Be with us as we go and pray in Christ's name. Amen.